0: Hi and welcome to Arrow Big Data Edition. This week we're covering L3C's AI in action event from the Royal Institute in London. This event had some fantastic customers, partners and vendors speaking. So sit back and enjoy. machine learning; uh, they have many applications, as we have just seen today, and many other conferences and, and books. Uh, what I want to focus on is uh, something that's very specific, and this is forecasting and whether AI and machine learning, they can help in forecasting with a focus on, on finance and economics. So we're in the city of London, there are a lot of funds, hedge funds, they claim they make money, all around us in this area. Uh, Is it true, we can't really uh, know. Of of course they're very secretive and since the term data science was, let's say coined, invented some years ago, uh, we've seen uh, markets that have been quite benign. So whether they make money thanks to these uh, fancy algorithms or just pure luck, we don't have way to know that. I will have uh, a good opportunity to understand this after maybe the next bubble explodes as it happened in 2007 and 2008. But until then, we can just uh, um, draw some hypothesis. So the problem I'll be speaking is, is, is specific. Uh, finance and economics uh, with a focus on forecasting, okay? Uh, this was uh, uh, an article that appeared on, on The Economist some time ago to the left. The world's most valuable resource and data is compared to, to oil. Uh, of course, there are analogies. It's a source of uh, social power. It doesn't have value if it's not refined, in, in, the, in the sense of data, if it's not cleansed, and if we don't have the means to make it valuable. So the combustion engine for, for oil and AI uh, and machine learning for, for, for the data. Of course, there is uh, there are differences. Uh, data is more, more diverse doesn't need uh, money to be transported and uh, its value economically is different so oil cannot be reused data can be reused uh, but in finance uh, the value of data declines pretty quickly once the information has been arbitraged away uh, so there are some analogies but there are also some, uh, some, some differences that are important. And who's supposed to, to mine, to work this oil? These are the oil engineers at the time. Now we have the data scientists. I, again, I would like to draw an analogy with what happened some years ago and whether we're living something that is that, very similar. Uh, so, uh, data scientists are, 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 are a new breed of, of workers. Uh, Of course, quantitative people have been around for for many years. So before becoming data scientists, we were quants. So this was our title in in finance. After the great financial crisis and some years after, around 2012, 13 many people just replaced their CV. So the word quants with data scientists and they (coughs) rebranded themselves because quant is no longer something that's fashionable. And before that, we were just simple physicists like me, mathematicians, and we went to banks in the late 90s because that was the topic of the moment. Quants were topical, quants were fashionable, that we were well paid at the time, alike uh, in, in, in universities. So something similar is happening here. And what I've seen in finance at the time, and I want to, to uh, be really high level here, don't want to delve into the details. Uh, the quality of labor supply went down in finance in 2003, four, five many quants did not undergo appropriate training, which means there were several degrees before that. In 2000, so we were engineers, physicists, mathematicians, five years of heavy university work, then masters started to appear, one or two years in mathematical finance, financial engineering, and this gave access to, to many more people to enter the, the labor force as quants. Then we sh- saw shorter and shorter courses, one of them is CQF just six months and you become a financial engineer six months. Coursera did not exist at the time it started to appear but you could become a quant as you can become data scientist now in six weeks. So this is worrying, this is worrying because in 2005, uh, the labor market uh, was flooded with people with not an appropriate training, creating derivatives, creating time bombs. This is what happened in 2005 and 2006. And uh, the field of mathematical finance became really uh, diverse as well. Option pricing uh, uh, became a, a, a field of its own. You were supposed to know stochastic processes uh, to master well Monte Carlo, finance differences, schemes, so on, and price. And uh, the zoo, let's say, financial instruments multiplied. So we have thousands of different uh, options exotics, American options, uh, Bermudian options, digital options, barrier options, so on. And the algorithms at the time, these were equations, differential equations, they became more and more complicated as the complexity of these instruments uh, uh, increased. Something that I notice happening now in data science. We have more and more algorithms and less and less qualified people to understand them. So being a data scientist now is, at least from my point of view, because I've been actively recruiting for for the last uh, two years data scientists, uh, being a data scientist means uh, knowing w- which library to download and how to plug it in, in in Python on Jupyter, whatever, and that's it without real understanding of what's uh, it's been in. So, I see a danger, I see a danger, and we didn't have regulations in finance at the time 2005 6 something that I'm noticing now in data science. So, maybe I'm, I'm uh, a little bit pessimistic having lived through, through the financial crisis, but I'm seeing uh, certain things that are quite similar and. and quite uh, scary to me, okay. Uh, Can we, so to the the topic of this talk, can we use AI uh, to make better predictions in markets, better than what, than simple model that uh, people don't like anymore because they don't sound fancy, like linear regression. If you use deep learning, you can even attract some funding to your fund. If you use linear regression, it's really something that (coughs) doesn't sell well. we, in financial markets, we have to deal with with instability, okay? Uh, something that we don't see that much in language. So, if you uh, create uh, a translator, maybe through through deep learning or facial recognition algorithms, faces don't change that much. So, okay, faces of cats, cats and and dogs—they're pretty stable uh, f- over the years. So, you you can rely on these algorithms to make a good rec- recognition and you can be pretty confident that this is going to be like that for, for, for several years to come. Uh, then we have economic agents and preferences, consumer preferences, okay? They're quicker to evolve, to evolve than, than than the human body or, uh, or, or, or or language so we can be uh, sure that if we create something to model these preferences of their behavior, uh, ad- the, uh, these algorithms can be uh, reliable, more robust over time, but after a while they, they, they break as well. Uh, the most stable uh, system I noticed and worked on so far, uh, it's financial markets, okay? So we can uh, hope to, to, to create an algorithm that makes, makes a prediction, but the predictions are going to disappear. The quality of the prediction is going to fade away over the millisecond time frame. So we must really be quick uh, 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 to calibrate these models and since the, t- the time is short, milliseconds, and if you want to use deep learning algorithms, they're data greedy, of course you cannot do that. So you have to be really quick, really quick to, to find patterns and all these patterns disappears. Okay, so like uh, uh, the, 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 the faces of cats and dogs changing every millisecond and you have to retrain a new algorithm a couple of of making a classification or, or, or prediction, uh, which is pretty much the same thing. So, what's the problem in finance? It's instability. So we must be quick. We must not be fancy. Okay. Uh, now, linear regression qualifies as machine learning. If you open a machine learning uh, textbook, you notice that you start. They start with with uh, uh, linear regression. Uh, but again, so what is the problem? I'll show a more technical slide. So this is uh, a fancy object called probabilistic graphical model. It qualifies as AI machine learning. It's quite old, it was, it's a Bayesian network actually this one, it's directed graphical model. It was invented in the 80s for causal reasoning and now it's extensively applying many dom- domains in engineering in medical diagnosis. It's essentially an expert system but thanks to, to, to new algorithms it can be Uh, trained on on a lot of data and and the training can be uh, 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 parallelized and and scaled easily. So imagine that we have to predict returns of companies and you see at the bottom company A, B, uh, uh, Z and and so on. And these returns, they depend on factors. So if you want to to make a prediction how these companies returns will behave over the next investment horizon, we have to understand what drives them this why probabilistic graphical models, that they're good because you see the drivers, you can model the drivers and you can make them transparent. So this is a causal framework, okay? We're trying to explain what moves the returns of financial companies. Something that cannot be done with a neural network, okay? You have inputs, outputs, you have layers, you have weights, but you really don't understand what drives what. And I think this is a better way to go. In a sense you have factors, that drive the markets and you regress. So these betas are nothing else than linear regression coefficients. You regress company returns on these factors that drive uh, the markets and you can explain fancy stuff like, like dynamic correlations that you see to the graph to, to, to write. Now, what are the variables that drive the market? So that, that's a big question, okay? Uh, the problem that we have in finance, and first we don't know. If we know that things change quite rapidly, So we have to understand what drives the markets, okay? And if we we understand the macro factors that drive the markets, we can make some prediction of what drives companies' returns. So uh, before the 23rd of June 2016, there was something called a Brexit variable that appeared on the horizon. So we knew that something was coming, okay? And we knew that that something was driving the company returns of, of British companies, okay? That was a variable, but it's a variable that never happened in the past, okay? So even if we have a lot of data, because I hear this claim, the more data we have, the better our prediction going to be, are not exactly in finance because the things that influence markets cannot be reduced sometimes to a data set, okay? Uh, markets are uh, uh, mostly driven by geopolitical factors, Okay, by certain people in the world. And we can't possibly model this as data set. But the Brexit is, is, is was driven by, by the sentiments of people and this was a variable that we monitor before the event actually happened. And what we use of course is we extracted through NLP, uh, the FT Brexit poll trackers. Okay. There were surveys every, almost every day and we could track the probability of that event happening or you not. Know. And this again, a simple, a simple probabilistic graphical model. We regress two stocks, EasyJet and HSBC, two uh, British companies, on t- these two factors. You can see uh, the results to the right. If you put def- the FTSE 100 as an explanatory factor, the R square of the returns of EasyJet and HSBC are respectively 0.31 and 0.36 percent. Okay, this R square, the higher the better. Okay, the closer we are to 100 percent, the better. Then the Brexit variable in Isolation, we see a weaker fit, 0.12% to the left and 0.15% to the right. But if we use the combined information of these variables, we have a much better fit. So we must know in advance what drives the markets, and we must qualify that. So there was this book written uh, some time ago, uh, the, the Black Swan. Uh, the guy claimed that all these events that drive markets are unpredictable, so we can't do much. I I do not agree personally with the guy on... Or many aspects sometimes we know we have grace ones okay we we have elections for example we have referenda uh, we have uh, things that are announced well in advance and we can monitor and extract information and and understand how this this moves the stock market you see this again it's not a fancy model it's not a neural network with 20 layers it's a simple graphical model with, with just two layers. But the most important bit and the most difficult bit is not the calibration scheme I'm going to use here, is to select the variables. And this, vi- uh, this, this problem is very old in econometrics, it, it, go, it, it goes under the name of variable uh, a selection problem. Okay, so how to select the variables? And can the machine select and find these this, this, this variables? For us, uh, that, that's a very uh, uh, tricky question. Uh, we're still research. Uh, see, we're res- uh, um, doing this research in IT market. There is no conclusive answer, but uh, so far, so far, uh, uh, the answer is no. The answer is no. We still have to rely on on human human uh, intervention. And so, so the other very uh, fashionable thing is robot advisory. Okay, the robot advisory. It's it's supposed to be a model that drives investment decisions. Okay, it's based on. An algorithm, very simple, mean variance, uh, mean variance uh, maximization, old uh, seven years. It was appeared in 1953, I think, for for the first time. But but the strength of Robo is that it lowers the the barriers uh, uh, of entry to people who cannot afford a private investment advisor. Whether it works or not, we don't know. As I mentioned before, uh, RoboAdvisory appeared some years ago and the markets have been quite benign, going steadily up. People made money just staying long, the S&P 500. They made 300% over the the last 10 years. So the problem has not appeared yet. So we don't know whether there is a problem. There is an inherent problem in RoboAdvisory. It relies on historical data. So information like uh, Brexit or no, it's not incorporated there. And how can p- possibly this robot advisor make good decisions if it's not aware of important geopolitical drivers like this one? So this could be a problem. Uh, for the time being, robot advisor is attracting funding. Yeah, I think it's over one trillion of assets man under uh, management. It's it's growing steadily. I may be mistaken, sorry, it was 20 billion in 2014, now it must be over 100 billion, but it's something that's growing, that's the important thing. And it's going without uh, encountering any resistance. And since then, uh, uh, again, as in driverless cars, in investment you have uh, legal liability, okay? So if you inv- invest money uh, in- through a private investor, this uh, sorry inv- advisor, this in certain jurisdictions, this, this advisor has liability in case you lose your money. If your algorithm loses the money, there is no liability there. So there are some other type of incentives, and combi- combined with the fact that markets are quite benign and growing, we see an explosion of this this robot advisory business. But again, this could be a, a time bomb, as at the next black swan when it appears this this uh, this robot advisory algorithms will be completely off, <laughs> o- off guard so how to uh, to augment our data set so um, i've been arguing for for quite quite some time and I, I i said today that the problem is that we have reduced data sets for for training algorithms okay you have uh, Let's say, uh, if you want to make a prediction, you can take now involved in in a project to predict our price. For example, how many variables do we have? Explanatory, around four million, okay? So this research project I'm involved, whether we succeed, uh, uh, we don't know. Uh, Okay, the variables are many. Uh, We have the computational power to to run models on this. We can scale this on AWS. Okay, we have infinite uh, computational power. It's going to work. Now, there's some problems in principle. Yes, we have all the micro m- microeconomic data, uh, we, we have uh, uh, all the foreign exchange data, we have sentiment, we have retail data, purchasing. So. These are our data sets, which is quite big, but they still reduce, okay? What drives all markets? The m- many things, we have weather data, because weather, weather drives, drive drives over price as well. Uh, uh, OPEC, OPEC, OPEC is a, uh, an oligopoly okay and the people who decide uh, on the oil supply and this is a geopolitical decision and we possibly don't can't know what's going to be their next decision we can guess okay but oil is driven by uh, geopolitics and, and sentiment. These are two things that we can't really have in the form of, of a data set on which to, to train our data. Okay. We have past OPEC decisions, but these are very few data points. Okay, We don't have millions in data points such that combined with millions of time, time series, we can have, can have something that's robust. And again, the problem here, if, even if we manage to do something, that's going to be short-lived. Okay. Why? Because financial markets, all markets are, are, are pretty unstable and all the differences are going to be arbitraged away. So we have in instability uh, uh, problems. Uh, again, some examples, so uh, credit scoring, when you go uh, uh, to a bank for a loan, you run through something called credit scoring, which weights some of your features, okay, past behavior, uh, where you live, what is your marital status, the number of children, whether you have home phone, uh, what's your salary and so on. And there are several algorithms, a lot of papers, re- it's actually classification. So this credit score is an algorithm that is supposed to classify you as a better or good customer in the future and to, to, to reject you or approve you. And so there are uh, many models uh, behind that. So logistic regression is the norm, it's been the norm since, since uh, 1970. Then we started playing with neural networks because it sounds, sounded cooler at the time. K-nearest neighbors, decision trees, Gaussian mixture models. And we tested the performance of these models in sample, out of sample. You can see the results to the right. So let's look at out of sample. So neural networks is supposed to to get, to, to, to get uh, right the nonlinear uh, features, the interactions. sorry, the nonlinear interactions between the features while logistic regression is a dull old statistical techniques, technique, okay? Kenya's neighbors, okay, it's cool as well. Decision trees become non understandable if the depth is, 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 is too, too, too big. But you see, more or less, logistic regression in the more fancy neural network model, they perform the, the same. Okay? And, but what you gain with more standard techniques like logistic regression, which is kind of linear model, in, in the end, is transparency. So you're not using black boxes. So you put something on the balance sheet that you can really understand okay you can understand the sensitivity you know you can understand the drivers what drives the decision and you put on the balance in things that you can manage and even the upper management and the board they, they can understand what you're accumulating on the balance. neural networks for this kind of uh think of course you're sending something to the board. they could like it because of the name because it's new but again you lose in transparency and this paid off very bad in 2007-08 with all these complex derivatives pricing models, nobody was able to understand. And the balance sheet of the Royal Bank of Scotland increased to three trillion, One trillion of which was due to this kind of pricing model which created a market that nobody could understand at the time. That was the problem. Uh, uh, so this is I want to, to cite here, uh, I like citation, this is uh, one of the f- most respected professors of econometrics and, and economics in the world. Uh, machine learning. Emph- uh, this is the most technical uh, sentence. Uh, I'll just go through it quick. So, machine learning emphasizes approximating approximating non-linear conditional mean functions in highly flexible non-parametric function. Not always. That turns out to be doubly unnecessary in time series and. T- he was focused here on fin- finance and economics. There is just not much conditional mean non-linearity to worry about and when there are occasionally is, it's typically of a highly specialized nature best approximated in highly specialized tightly parametric fashion, which means that in time series, complex machine models, according to this guy, of course, they can be proven wrong, don't work. And if you go and you do the M3 competition it's an old competition, but still the data sets are available and you have data sets from different domain. And I wanted to prepare a slide, but I didn't have the time. And you see that these fancy machine learning models perform just as well as standard, less fancy linear models. So can we uh, use in the end machine learning? It seems that I'm quite scrapping here, machine learning and kind of old school uh, guy. No, no, uh, absolutely not. So as I said, the advantage of, of, of machine learning is to understand which features to extract and how to, to quantify them, okay? How to put this feature in a model and how to link these features to, to the stocks. Uh, this is the human exercise, it's driven by human exercise. But how to extract these features and how to quantify them. FTSE 100 I- is easy, it's already a, a data set that, that, that's available, it's a time series. Brexit is something that we use machine learning to extract. from. So we had several polls from different agencies, so we use natural language processing techniques to extract it. So here is the answer, at least in my view, to making predictions in in, in finance and economics. Machine learning methods are good for for, for feature extraction and data augmentation. I mentioned that the, the, uh, the OPEC guys, they drive the markets uh, that's true. When it comes to, to prediction, it's very tricky to know what they're going to do, uh, what Donald Trump is going to do. These are essentially random processes that we cannot really forecast, but, <laughs> but we, we're using uh, uh, OCR techniques, natural language processing techniques to extract past patterns from OPEC minutes, okay? So they released the minutes, also the Federal Reserve's Reserve, they released uh, their minutes we're trying to use, uh, we, we're using actually. Machine learning uh, techniques to extract features and at least ret- retrospectively explain what moved uh, the financial uh, markets. So parsing news, news there are the millions of of, of, of websites around the world, and my my uh, uh, company is also focused in scraping uh, local news from I don't know how many li- languages, 40, 50 local news, Turkish, Thai, whatever, and of course. Uh, our experts cannot read all the newspapers in the world and, and underst- understand the news and classify them. News related to terrorist events, suicidal attacks, uh, uh, can be to, to civil arrest, and so on. We possibly, uh, when we hear this happening in the mainstream news, it's too late. But machine learning can be used. So first to go through millions of websites, so we need the right infrastructure to create this news pipeline, translate all this news, classify all this news. Okay, and then link them to financial variables. So that's the next step. But, but the first fi- part of the pipe is, is, is pretty much machine learning. That wouldn't be possible uh, some some year, year ago. Geospatial data and so as, as well. What is moving where, what is going? So we, we f- we're following all the, the ships in the world in real time, I don't know how many, 180,000. We know what they, carry where it's going and we have models to predict where it is going, when it's going to arrive. But again, this is machine learning. So we're c- recognizing the type of ships. We have models to predict uh, or, or what they're carrying and we have models to, to estimate uh, when they're going to arrive. Uh, we're using Gaussian processes and uh, this is it's, it's quite new. But again, you see, this is not financial markets. The movement of ships is not, it's a physical movement. It's not financial markets. Movement it can be quite erratic because it's driven by financial markets. So ships can change route according to, to, to whether there is a better deal in some other port. There's some piracy piracy events. So we, we, we have to predict this way. Well that, that's, that's quite uh, tricky as well. But you see, these are things that don't work at the scale of the milliseconds, okay? pirates are quite slower than that so we have way to to detect early this and this is machine learning so it's it's a lot of uh, uh, image recognition that goes into that so so here uh, machine learning can can be uh, can be really useful uh, for feature e- extraction so so what's the, what's the bottom line there are a lot of books how to predict financial markets with neural networks so for example if you f- if you want to to waste your money and uh, and <laughs> That's not the strength, that's not the strength. So markets can be modeled quite well with linear models provided that we know what variables to put as features and this is where the problem lies. So machine learning can be used for better feature extraction for feature extraction that can be scaled and human experts cannot cope up with like reading millions of websites Translating them and understanding what they're talking about. So this is this is where machine learning can help. But when it comes to predicting, given a certain features, to predict the, the financial markets or economics, that that is is uh, 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 almost impossible. Almost impossible. Uh, and and not almost, but machine learning doesn't perform better than than more simple or linear regression model. But again, if you're a a startup and you put machine learning in in the title, in your name, you you attract more funding, so it could serve its purpose to attract money, but not to make prediction and make money out of of debt. I think I'm finished, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is my view. Thank you.